Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Ladies and gents, I am so excited to uh, introduce my guest with you today. Uh, We have the lovely Tia Fagan, so let me just tell you a little bit about her. Tia is a conscious parent coach, and as a mother of twin daughters who are now in college, she has experienced each developmental stage of parenting children (laughs) <laughs> Snap, I'm right with you on that one, Tia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tia's passion is helping parents strengthen relationships to increase connection and improve communication with their family. She really helps parents understand why their kids are behaving the way they are and how to guide and connect and support them to create thriving relationships. Tia absolutely has a gift for showing up without judgment and guiding with support and compassion. So welcome, and it's so lovely to have you here. Thank you. It is so fantastic to be here. I'm just Thank really so excited much. to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, well, let's see. Who, who knows? Exactly. Um, that, Whatever that, it is, it's going to be fun. That's, yeah. what, that's what's important, right? So, Tia, t- just let's sort of start off. Let's just have a sort of brief introduction. T- tell the sort of um, our listeners um, sort of really how you got to do this and, and a little bit about your story. Sure. So, the short version is I used to be a civil engineer. So completely different career choice than what I am doing now. Um, That was all in my head. And with parent coaching, right, it's more in our heart. And so it's helped me learn how to balance both the intellectual and the emotional and all of that. So once my daughters were born, I um, went to part-time and telecommuted from home. And then over time with twin daughters, Every waking moment, I was going, 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 and I knew it was not going to work. So I stopped my job and was full-time for a little bit with my kids and then knew I lost myself in those years, those early years, as many moms do in particular. And as I came up for air when they started uh, going to preschool, I'm like, what what do I want to do? I knew I didn't want to go back to engineering, but I didn't know what I wanted to do because I literally had no idea who I was anymore. I just was a mom. And so I dabbled here and there. I did professional organizing. I did some marketing for their Montessori school. And just over time, I realized I'd been reading Eckhart Tolle and all these self-improvement books. And I'm like, okay, I'm reading them, but well, now what? Now what do I do with them? And then I started realizing, oh, you actually have to do stuff with the stuff you read. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just read it and your life changes. You actually have to take action steps. And so I joined some circle groups and, and I did an emotional, spiritual equine assisted program for three years, which really up leveled oh, my wow. connection to my heart and myself and really started peeling back those layers. And then I met Dr. Shafali 
with her first book, The Conscious Parent. Uh, I saw her on Oprah and it was like the missing puzzle piece for me and my parenting, you know, because I've been reading parenting books all along too, because, totally. you know, information, give me information. I want to fix. I want to make everything better. I want to be the best mom. And then I met Dr. Shafali and it was like, this is the piece. So even though I was doing my own personal growth, I hadn't made the connection to consciously include that in my parenting. Even though it was happening, it wasn't intentional. And then I started taking courses from Dr. Shafali over the years. And it was during her teen course when my daughters were right in that early adolescent phase. Um, And all of a sudden, like, this is what I want to do. Because I knew I wanted to do something to help people realize, like, wow, there's a world outside of once we connect to who we are, changes everything. And it was like, it's parent coaching. I want to help people because my relationship with my children have changed. My relationship with myself, we have deeper connection. We listen, we hear, there's more cooperation. And so now I'm here. <laughs> I do you know, it's really funny just listening to your story because it's exactly the same as mine, apart from the fact that the civil engineer bit, but I was in tech. So, mm. um, you know, and, and I had exactly, I, I'm just listening to your path and, it, and your journey. And it sounds exactly the same as mine. <laughs> and so coming out the other end, like a little mole, uh, sort of, you know, out of the tunnel to realize that actually, yeah, h- how wonderful. Aren't we lucky to be able to share with other parents the stuff that we've sort of learned and trained up on? Because when I was going through it, and you probably felt the same, that there wasn't so much sort of information there. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you strike gold and find that information, it's, oh my gosh, I want to share it with everyone else as well to save them all that digging and that heartache and sort of stuff like that. So exactly, yeah, it sounds it sounds so familiar. Um, and and how lovely because yeah we're, we're we're sort of we've done the left brain and the right brain and, and mm-hmm. as you rightly say coming from the heart makes a hell of a lot of difference doesn't it oh it really does and you can tell when you're not coming from your heart once you know the difference yes yes. we're still going to fall out of it because we're still human right we're still going to make mistakes but then when we drop back into the heart it's like there's the connection there's the relationship is is that when when you do it from the heart and when you sort of realize and when I say try for it to come naturally it sort of does and doesn't at the same time Mm -hmm. but even Mm -hmm. when you screw up or mess up and and you're not too sure where you're heading when you're sort of doing it slightly more intuitively and with love it seems to take the pressure off doesn't it it does it does because it allows for, I, I don't have to do it perfectly. Just learning to let go of that perfection. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. I still call myself a recovering perfectionist because I am. It still shows up in very sneaky ways. Oh, wow. But I wanted to be the perfect mom, right? I wanted to have the perfect kids. I wanted everything perfect, you know, like what we see in movies and all that. And that doesn't happen. And so we, when it's from that different place, it's like, you know what? We had a little bicker and... You, we survive. We're okay. And actually now our connection is stronger because we are able to communicate and listen and embrace all those feelings. And I think also when we let go of perfection, um, somehow the kids just get that vibe, don't they? And become, I think that it's just the energy and the, the, just the sort of connection just feels a lot more real. Um, And Mm -hmm. they aren't under that pressure that we are putting ourselves under um right. to to get it right the whole time and i think it's just that 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 sort of 
releasing the the sort of perfectionism does transfer through the rest of the family, doesn't it? Definitely. And into the rest of our life as well. I mean, it comes out into the world, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just going to show up. And you know what, I'm going to try. And if I screw up, guess what, I get to do it again. Or I get to learn from that lesson, right? Because we have to have the contrast. Just like our kids need the contrast. So when they make a mistake, they and if we step back and allow them to learn from it naturally, that's how they learn versus but, stepping in and trying to fix it. And, and I think that's the, the thing, isn't it, is we fall into that trap of I've been there and I've done it and I just want to make the path smoother for them. And exactly. to be able to, you know, sort of, I, I, I found out the mistakes, but here's the solution. And yet, as you rightly say, you're actually not doing your child a, a, any sort of service, are you, by just stepping in the whole time? No, no. And I think we create more angst too, because then it, they know we don't trust them. Because if we trusted them, trusted their ability to maneuver those challenging situations, they would be able to rise up a little more. So when we step in and try to make that path so easy, because we have our own worries, like you said, we want to make it easier for them than it was for us. But we can't, because they have to learn their own lessons. We don't, I mean, but we also have to step in and guide. And, you know, it's not like, woo, go out to the, the wolves and figure it out. It's not that. That's not what I'm saying. But it's you know, be there, be present, help them figure things out, but you don't have to actually make it so they never have any heartache. So how do we do that as parents? How, how, how do you advise parents, you know, to do that letting go? Because that's really quite scary, isn't it? I mean, especially this, we, we, there are so many sort of standards and there are so many sort of um, guidelines and, and sort of levels of perfection that our kids have to sort of um, adhere to. So how so it's a hard one for parents to actually sort of relate to and sort of go, okay, yeah, well, I'm just going to let them, not let them loose, but right. allow them to make, I mean, how, how do we encourage parents to do that? It's a process and it's not something you just wake up one day and be like, I'm just, at least not for me. It was very, very yeah. painful, very hard, very scary, very scary at times. Or And sometimes not even scary. So if something were to happen, it was like, Okay, don't don't just jump in and help. Just wait a minute. Say, hey, so what happened? What do you think? You know, so the more we can walk it alongside them, the better. So how do we let go? I mean, really, it's about tapping into ourselves. Is this a place that is a safe enough environment that they can go out on their own and figure this out? Because obviously you're not gonna like put them in a race car and put them on a racetrack and just be like, yeah, just go 200 miles per hour. You know, so you, you have to attune and make that adjustment and odds are you're not going to be able to go really big to start. So take those little baby steps, you know, even something as simple as, and this is, it sounds so silly. Um, My kids grew up learning how to cook, but a lot of the clients I work with, their kids don't know how to, they don't know how to cook and fend for themselves other than grabbing quick snacks. Mm -hmm. So perhaps like, why don't you make your lunch today? Yeah. And I don't know how many parents have been there and they're at kids in the kitchen and you're just like, Oh, I need to stop. Oh, 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 the mess. Oh, 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 you're cutting that wrong or, you know, whatever it is. But that's kind of a fun place to start, you know, fun. If you can step into the fun of it, Um, because it's a, a way to let go 
and learn how to deal with all your want to control and step in all the fear that's within you, because that's really what stops us. It's more that. You're you're so right. It's that parenting from fear, isn't it? It is. It is. And we do so much parenting from fear. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I guess, because I, as soon as you started um, talking about that, I, I sort of suddenly realized, actually, for, for, for you, you mentioned cooking. For me, it was, when do I let my kids get on the bus and go to town and meet their friends? And what is the right age? And some people go, yeah. oh, well, you know, sort of nine or 10, and I'm sort of sitting there twitching. And, yeah. and you know, and others are, oh, no, 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 I, I have to sort of, you know, be in the mall and I have to be in this sort of shopping center. Mm-hmm. And and so it is, we're all very different, aren't we? And and we, we are our levels of be it fear or be it control. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I, I think it is, it's, it's giving them, maybe sort of giving them, allowing them to think they've got the wings to fly, but keeping right. them kept a little bit to begin with. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that was a great example you had too. And so I kind of explain it sometimes to, I use it around boundaries, but it's, this also is the letting go piece. It comes hand in hand. So you think of it as a box, right? So if your kid is inside the box and there's walls around this box, so when they're really little, like you're not going to go let them run around outside when there's a busy street without you watching. Okay. So the box is a little shorter. You're going to be within, you know, whatever distance, let's just say a couple feet. Well, whatever that is in meters, because... In the U.S., so I'm, I'm still an imperial girl, so I'm. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so you figure that comfort zone, and then as they get a little older, oh, I can give them five feet, okay, because I know they're going to listen and they're going to hear and they understand the danger of the street. So the same thing with like going to the stores. It's like, okay, first we're going to go to the mall together. I'm going to sit on the bench. You're going to go off with your friends. I'm here. You, and then you want to walk to this side, we walk, but I'm not going to go in the stores with you. And so, you you know, you talk about what do you need to be aware of? You know, you don't want to, if there's a guy with a cell phone shining his camera at you, that's a sign. What would you do? Yeah. You know, so all you talk through these scenarios and then eventually those box boundaries get bigger and bigger as they get older and show that I am able to recognize what's safe, what's not safe. I can go there. And so we are able to let back. So for each parent, it's different. Each child is different. And so recognizing what are those boundaries of the box and how do we expand them? And I encourage parents, obviously safety, 100%, that's a different thing. But with those other situations, you know, the cooking or the going to the mall, extend that box wall a little bit more than you feel is comfortable. So it's not only helping the child with their boundaries and their comfort zone, it's also the parent, isn't it? Exactly. Because they're eventually going to be out of the house. And if we don't do that, yeah. when they go to college or university or go to get a job and move out of the home, they need to know how to navigate life. And if they can't practice that at home, do you really want to put them out there without having had any practice? So the earlier we all start, the better. Right. Yeah. But that is fine when kids learn, when they sort of realize, oh, okay, the box is a bit too big. I'm going to step back. Or mm-hmm. actually, no, I'm doing okay. And I, I, I can sort of do with a bit more sort of, you know, lenience or, a, 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 you know, bit, a bit more space. What happens when they go hell for leather and just 
break the rules, break the curfews, break, you know, and how do we how do we pull them back without all the punishments, without actually pulling them back too far and um, sort of undoing a lot of the progress that we've made then? And that is really hard, isn't it? It is so hard. Yeah. You know, not every kid does that, but when they do, it's usually, you know, we have to recognize what the relationship we have with our child is, you know? So if the relationship, if there's a break in that relationship, a break in the understanding that you can come to me and let's, let's not be fooling ourselves. Our teenagers are not going to tell us everything in their life. And we just need to accept that, you know, cause it's, you know, the parents are like, I want my kid to tell me everything. I'm like, they're not. No. no matter how fantastic right. your relationship is, they're not. <laughs> yes, there's a, yes, I, I, I learned that quite. I, I've got a very <laughs> good do. with my kids. And I suddenly realized, you know what? I'm only hearing the half of it. So, exactly. Which is probably a good thing. I, this it is. Stuff I don't want to know about. Yeah. And it, it's a developmentally appropriate too, you know? I mean, my mom does, doesn't know everything today, you know? Why would it be any different for our kids? Um, so I checked the relationship, you know, has the connection broken down? Have you been busy? Have you not been present and available for your kid? So they break the curfew, they come home. So we have two choices in that moment, right? We can go, Blaze is going, why weren't you home? What were you doing? A bazillion questions. And what's that going to cause? I mean, if, if someone does that to you, what, how do you feel? Yeah, fair. You're going to close right down. Yeah. So that is not the moment you know, they come home and say, you're late. We'll talk about this tomorrow. So right away, you know, they're safe, they're home, they're alive. <laughs> Look at the bigger picture. And then the next day you do need to revisit because that's what parenting is, right? We don't just bury our head in the sand. We do have to rise up and have these difficult conversations yeah. and our kid may be receptive or may not be. And we have to accept that that's what it is. So I encourage parents to get curious. Why? Why were they late? For all we know, they were helping someone who had their car breakdown. You know, we don't know what happened. There we could be a assume, very valid reason. I, yeah, I think we assume the worst, don't we? We um, always do. Mm. I know I did. <laughs> yeah. No, it was always going to the worst case scenario. And I think the thing is, is actually remembering that we've had X number of years training these little beings and exactly. um, they, you know, God willing, have the values, you know, and not always the same values as us, but mm -hmm. maybe those that sort of might, might coincide sort of nicely. So I think the thing is, is trusting that they are individuals and it might be done slightly differently because I, I do quite like to be in control of many situations. And when you've got, especially college age kids, it's, mm -hmm. it's hard because, you know, it, it's, oh, yeah. it's hard letting go. And, but also it's necessary, isn't it? It is. It is. And I think it's remembering, you know, in those curfew moments or whatever, when they break the rules, their brains are still developing. Mm -hmm. And there's been studies around the brain <laughs> with teenagers. Thank goodness we have this information now because previous generations did not have this, right? They thought their brain was fully developed. Adolescents, especially when they're around their friends, won't make the same decisions that they do when they're alone. And so it's an opportunity to meet our child. Let's say they were out doing something they shouldn't be doing. So now it's like, so if you can have that conversation and go, 
did something, what happened last night? Why were you so late? You know, be curious, go, I, I just, I'm curious, is there something you want to talk about and open the door without judgment, without an agenda, because they know when we have an agenda immediately and they're not going to share, you know, I want to know what happened, who you're with all that. If we go in there with that energy, they're not going to tell us anything. So if you come in with curiosity and empathy, because we were all teenagers once, right? There's not many people who didn't have at least one moment where they're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> oh, oh, my word. I, I, I mean, I am just so glad I am not a teenager in today's oh. world. Not only from I, I would have got myself into a lot of trouble, um, but from my parents' point of view as right. well, because, you know, I flip sake. But I think we are really fortunate. Yes, it's, it's a totally different world from when we grew up. But as right. you rightly said, we actually know more about the brain now and about the teenage brain. And so we have, we are armed with better knowledge, aren't we? So we, we can understand so so. that maybe it's not them being tricky. It's maybe not them. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all of this is biology, really. And I it think is. it's, I, 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 when I say it, it sort of feels a bit like a get out clause is that your child, if they're being stroppy, if they're being, you know, hormonal, if they're being sort of obstreperous or whatever it is, it's not always just because they're bad come on it, it right. is biology and it it is a it is a get out clause but I think that's when we can come as we said earlier to come from the heart right because when you're having a hard time as an adult I mean because we adults have hard days we yeah. have bad parenting days you know or stressful work days and we say something snippy or are rude to our kids do we want to be met with that hard energy from someone else like geez what's your problem versus oh something else must be going on you know or I'm just going to give you a little space right now you know so I always encourage parents too to be like what would you want in that moment let's say you were supposed to be home at 10 and we got home at 11 and that's stressful for our kids I don't know how many people have gotten home late when our kids are expecting us home at 10 or whatever they get worried just like we do. Yeah. And then, I mean, I had that happen once. My phone was blowing up. You know, where are you? Because I'm very much a punctual person. My kids, they were so worried. I was in a car accident and I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah. You know, so when they're out with their friends and maybe they're just sitting around at one of their friend's house talking and really into this great conversation and literally just lost track of time. Yeah. Because it happens. It happens to us. And, and I think that's the thing, because it is the knee-jerk reaction when we are parenting from fear and the what-ifs, is that we just blow a head gasket, don't we? And, and we just get cross. Whereas I think, I guess, just putting the pause on the situation, just yes. to, just as you say, how would I, if I was in this situation, how would I want someone to respond to me? Right, right. And I think remembering too, even if it's not, if it's something big, let's say they were out doing something really that they shouldn't have done. Are they going to learn if we come down with that harsh punishment? Are they going to learn or are they going to get defensive and hide and be like, I need to hide this more. Be be sneakier next time versus, wow, that must've been hard. Why do you think you did that? Are you going to do it? You know, if you become curious and just supportive and it doesn't mean that it's like, Oh, I'm okay with it, but it happened. So now moving forward what's the lesson what could you do differently how can i support you 
to make a difference? Does that mean maybe we have a, you know, you're getting yourself into a situation you're not comfortable with, but don't know how to say no to your friends. Do we have, you know, it's the code text, you know, text me an X and I'll come get you or I'll call you, you know, so start to collaborate and figure out ways. And when they're our kids, when they screw up and we still accept and love them, that's when they need it the most. And that's when they are going to lean in and realize, Oh, what could I do differently next time versus how can I hide it better next time? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I think that's the thing is that when they realize that um, we have their back, when they realize that we have their support and their best interest, then it becomes more like teamwork, doesn't it? Rather Mm -hmm. than as as you sort of say, um, you know, hiding and with the secrecy Mm -hmm. and the resentment. Um, I guess we want to collaborate with our kids. We want to, guide them as you said um be the mentor rather than the manager is what i always exactly i love that i know i love that you use that terminology because it's really important and then as they move into young adulthood as at the stages you know where we're at and and then they get older that's when the relationship shifts and we still want them to reach out to us it just so we're building the relationship for adulthood as well and so remembering are we you know, because really we're equals. They know as much as we do, but we are guiding. We have that experience, but they know way more than most kids than, or than we give them credit for. And and that's the thing. And and I think we as parents um, feel that there is that responsibility that we should know best and we should be the ones that are um, giving them all the answers. And so for many parents, it's a real struggle to sort of go, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing here either. Um, and it takes that. that. Yeah, but for that, that for some many parents is is a very career, career, courageous move, isn't it? It um, is to admit that now nah, this is uncharted waters for both of us. Mm-hmm. And because I think when they're little, we do need to be in control. We do need to be the one in charge. So it's just working out when, and I, I guess it's different for each child. But when we move from being in control and in charge to as you said, walking that journey together. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to, you know, that box boundary. So when they're little, the box is pretty tiny. You know, we're not going to leave them at a year and a half and go hang out in the kitchen. They're going to be in a room all by themselves, right? So the box expands and expands. And ideally, by the time they move out of the house, there really aren't many walls at all because they're going to be on their own where there are no walls except their own internal guidance. So they're going to create their own safe and healthy boundaries to take out into the world and know where those walls are for themselves. And that's the goal. So it's us. That's really cool. So it's us trusting their internal boundaries so that they can learn to trust themselves, isn't it really? Exactly. And isn't that what we want? (laughs) Well, yeah. Ultimately, Absolutely. I mean, at the end, the end result is wanting sort of well, well-established, sort of well-balanced young adults, isn't it really? It is. And so I guess there's no well, less of a need for that conflict that mm-hmm. that is so prevalent in many, many sort of teenage households. That's the problem. It is. And it's coming from that control and fear of the parent often. But it's a scary world. I mean, come on. It is. Look, look what 2020 is thrown at us. And, and, <laughs> and it's and not done. <laughs> and we, it is a scary world. It is, 100%. But it's also and then, and then do we want our kids to know that they can move through scary things? 
and come oh. out the other side. Yeah, you see, that's it. That's turning it on its head, isn't it? It is. It's how wonderful, actually, God, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of this. How wonderful that our kids are navigating this with us by their sides. Right. So that in a couple of years' time, they will know that they, that that's a fabulous way of looking at it, isn't it? Aren't we blessed to be walking through this with our kids rather than mm-hmm. them having flown the nest and going, flip's sake. <laughs> said that. My kids have flown the nest and, and um, they seem to be doing all right. But yeah. it's, it's, you know, they do need reassurance sometimes, as do we right. all. Right. I mean, one of my daughters moved into her apartment this last weekend and, you know, she was nervous and, you know, because with everything going on, it's not a normal moving apartment, right? It's different it, energies, you know, Corona, everything. Not yeah. knowing what's, is the university going to shut down? Is it going to stay open? What are my roommate choices going to be? And she told, you know, I'm like, she was thinking about, well, maybe I'll come home. Maybe I won't. And then all of a sudden she's like, no, I need to go. I need to stay here at least two nights for sure. Cause they're only a half hour away. She is. Um, and she's like, no, I, I need to do this. You know? So she felt the worry, felt the fear, was feeling all that. It's not gone. It's still there, but she's like, I know I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I know it. Even when it's chaotic outside, because there's protests and stuff going on right now, right outside her window, there's a fire lit on fire with the whole um, Kenosha shooting recently. I don't know when this is going to air, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of unrest in the U S right now. There, there is. Well, I mean, you know, sort of everywhere <laughs> it's yes. You're, you're not on your own there. And I think the thing is, is, um, showing our children, as you said, how to navigate it and to show them that they have that inner resource, the the resilience to right. be able to cope with all that. Um, and I'm just so proud of her. I'm not surprised. Yeah. And and because um, this is, I guess this is a totally new milestone for her, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. There's several new milestones in this, in yeah. this realm. And, you know, and it was when she was going to stay, I'm like, okay, by seven o'clock, I need to know if you're going to stay because after seven o'clock at night, I likely can't come down and get you if it gets really chaotic because they were shutting streets down. So I'm yeah. like, I, you need to decide. And she's like, I'm going to do it. And I was like, I'm so, I'm, you know, but inside, of course, I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm concerned, you know, so I don't want parents to think we don't, we still can feel the fear. We can still feel the worry and the concern for our kids. And we can trust that they're going to make the, I mean, we talked about if by chance your apartment was set on fire, you're right by the stairwell, you book down that stairwell and you get out because it's safer to get out of the building, Yeah, you know, and it's not crazy. I mean, she's, she'll be fine no matter what. And I trust that. And she knows that. But I, I, and this is the thing that we, we, uh, all of us need to remember is that anxiety is there to teach us to protect us to make sure that we are aware of you know whatever is going on in our um, environment but if we back down too early to those anxieties then we struggle the next time because everything just is bigger and more frightening and more scary isn't it it is it is and we have to lean in we have to lean into that discomfort and that's where the resilience comes right because like you said if we don't it gets bigger. So it's it not only being, us. yeah, it's not only being sort of curious, I guess, with your child's behavior, it's being curious 
about your own behavior because I, I was speaking to my mentor and um, I was, this was right in the middle. I think it must have been about sort of May, June. And I was sort of telling her about my sort of concerns and she went, just stop. And just feel that. And I went, oh, my gosh, I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. And yes. she said, no, 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 you have to. Yes. It's acknowledging how you feel and acknowledging mm -hmm. what's going on. And then it is actually being comfortable with the discomfort, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is a huge part of what I help parents and non-parents alike learn. Because until we lean into that discomfort and become comfortable with the uncomfortable, we're going to stay stuck. And we're not going to move through and create the change and the trust and the resilience because we weren't taught, most of us were not taught how to do that as children, right? Oh, We'd have a big feeling, be like, don't cry or, oh, I don't want to see you when you're, when you're acting like that. You go to your room and shut the door and time yeah. out, whatever. I didn't know how to, at all, how to deal with my big feelings. So I shoved yeah. them down, just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And then eventually, you know, they blow. Um, and I'm, the showed up more in parenting. <laughs> it's amazing what parenting shows you. It's like, oh, we you know that big, part of me existed. <laughs> it's a big fat mirror, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> so we have to be comfortable with our uncomfortable feelings that our kids bring up in us, those worries, those concerns. And then when we can be on, when we can be comfortable with that discomfort and that, you know, is it in your stomach? Is it in your throat? Where is it showing up in your body? It's all learning how to hold space. So like the kid who comes home after curfew, you sit, you sit with that. You don't project it and vomit it out on your kid. You, you sit with it, allow it to move through your body. And then your child sees you handling your uncomfortable feelings and learns they can do that too. Because we can be our witness to their uncomfortable feelings. How do you do that? Is it as simple as just pausing is it as simple or I mean do you actually feel it physically or I do yeah 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 mm -hmm. and just pause and just think oh okay uh, my heart is going 10 to the dozen mm -hmm. my my fists are clenched yeah I, my teeth are yeah my jaw yeah 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 okay uh -huh. tense your jaw. tongue's up on the roof of your mouth tighter than anything Nick takes a grip to take the tongue off the roof of your mouth um like you said your fists so we have to connect to our body. Our body tells us so much if we're willing to listen. So I'll often have times like that pause and it takes practice. It's a new muscle. We, it's not going to change overnight. And oftentimes we can only sit with that for a little bit before it's like, Oh no, I, I can't deal with it anymore. Yeah. And then it'll be a little longer next time, a little longer next time. So one thing um, parents can do, like if your heart's beating really fast, or your stomach is clenching, wherever it is, there's a couple of ways you can learn to move and make peace with that uncomfortableness. So if your heart, put your hand, you know, I'm like, just put your hand on your heart while you're sitting and feel it. So it just immediately for most people brings peace and call like, Oh, I'm here because if we're out here and our fists are clenched, we aren't even realizing in our body. And the minute you put your hand on your heart, and just kind of feel your hand as you're breathing. It's like, wow, I am here. And I can soften. And then it's like, okay, so if it's your jaw that's really tight, your teeth are clenched, because I do that as well. It's like, okay, soften. Release the tongue from the roof of my mouth. And all this is literally done 
to begin with in a few split seconds, isn't it? It is. It is. And so the, the beauty of learning how to do this is I have my clients practice it when life is going really great. Oh, okay. Because it's really hard to access in those challenging moments, right? Because we're already in our fight or flight mode because we're in fear or control or whatever. And so I literally will have clients, you know, three times a day. I want you to just put your hand on your heart or whatever tool works for them. There's lots of different, because everyone's different, but using this example. So you're eating breakfast, just put your spoon down or your fork down and just for a second, just take three breaths. Because then we're creating those neural pathways. So when we are activated, it's going to be easier to remember to remember, right? We can't remember to remember something we haven't practiced before. And to try to think we can do it in that heightened state, good luck. Well, I think that's really hard. (laughs) Because as parents and say, if we use the curfew for an example, when when the kids are, when we are faced with our late child or whatever, yeah, all we want to do is just hit them with a barrage of, exactly. of be it abuse or information or, um, you know, sort of just our feelings and better. You made right. me feel this, and why did you? Mm-hmm. And and you're quite right. So we need to create that habit of knowing, you know, so our brain knows. Oh, come on, you've done this before. Exactly. Just hand on heart and just pause for a minute whilst your child even, you know, gets in through the door. But right. yeah, it is. It's it's just putting that pause, but teaching ourselves how to do it to begin with, right. isn't it? It is. And it's not an easy practice to start. But oh, so necessary. Oh, it's life changing. Yeah. It's life changing. You know, and that's where meditation really helps, right? Because that helps us create our pause even deeper. <laughs> do you do you meditate? I do. Do you can you give me some tips on what to do? Because I end up all without fail, either falling asleep if I do mm-hmm. it at night, or going through my shopping list, or doing my to-do list, or thinking, all right, well, I need I, I've you know, I've forgotten things. How how do we slow down? Or is it just again compassion and just pause? What practice? I mean, I think there's this myth that we meditate and we like we go to the Zen place and we stay there for 20 minutes. No, I've tried. Absolutely. Not. We're going to have thoughts. Right. We're going to go through our grocery list. And so it's remembering that meditation is not about finding that Zen moment because then we're like, we're already searching, right? Like, Oh, I did it. And I did it wrong because That's I couldn't turn I did, my yeah. thoughts out. So why even bother? Yeah. Meditation is about the thought comes in and then you notice the thought. And the power of meditation is coming back to our breath. Like, oh, there it is. Okay, it's really, oh, I'm going down the rabbit hole of my grocery list and my to-do. But now I'm going to go back and I'm going to notice my breath. Okay. So even if it's literally a half a second, you did it. And then the thought comes right back. And it's like, oh, there you are. And then over time, I mean, some days I can just be fairly quiet. And other days, there's so much going on in my head. It's like, I can't even have a pause other than that there's a thought breathe up another thought another thought another you know so it's never going to be the same experience every time and so let go of the zen place where you're going to go and you're never going to have a thought it doesn't happen that way and then as far as when you do it at night at sleep it's a great sleep tool 
There's nothing wrong. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm pretty good at that bit. But but trying to find that Zen and sort of oh no, I was great. I my mind switched off for ten minutes. I I know I fail miserably. But as you rightly say, it's even. I guess it's even just creating the space, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Which helps us create the space during those curfew nights. Which totally. helps us create the space when the kitchen is turning into a disaster and you're watching oh, yeah. it and just like no, oh. you know, because I can be like oh, that's going to take forever to clean up or, oh, they're late. They're going to be late. Oh, they're in a car crash. They're this, you know, oh, or they're doing drugs or they're doing whatever they shouldn't be doing. Wait a minute. It brings us back to the present moment. What do we know right now? Right now, our kid is late. That's all we know. We don't know why they're late. We don't know what time they're going to show up. They're late. Okay. I mean, it has saved me so much during the teenage years. I you know, because my kids, we never had a set curfew. It was always, where are you going? What are you doing tonight? I, I'll be home by this time. And we live in the country. So if they're stuck behind a slow driver on a country road, they're going to be late. You'd rather that, wouldn't you, than them yeah. racing home. Yeah. Exactly. And so I learned to realize if they're five minutes late, they're home, they're safe. There's yeah. deer. They could hit a deer. I would way rather, you know, I had always hoped and this is my controlling, that maybe you should leave a little bit earlier every time. <laughs> that I never know. happened. It just didn't. No. So I just learned to accept that if they said they're going to be home at midnight, they usually meant about 12, 15. Yeah. You know, so it just was this understanding, like literally what does it matter if they're home at 12 o'clock on the dot at midnight? Does it, does it really matter because well, that's that's the control thing, isn't it? That's, it that's is. the whole point. It, it, it is. It's, it's acknowledging. Yeah, it's and I, I think it's I think it's also giving them a little bit of respect and just sort of going. Yeah, OK, I, yeah. I get that because we're, yeah. we're all a bit, you know, sometimes we chase our tail, especially yeah. when we're having fun. Right. And just saying, hey, if you know you're going to be later than five or ten minutes, just give me a quick call. So I know. Yeah. So I don't worry. Yeah. Communication. Press pause and allow ourselves right. to breathe. Right. <gasps> breathe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I that's uh, you. You've just you. You've let me off the meditation hook. Definitely. <laughs> good. Good. But, but, five uh, minutes. Just try it for five minutes. I will. And, and if all you do is think and notice your breath twice, it's a win. Well, it is because it helps, as you say, it transfers across so not only parenthood, but throughout life as well, doesn't it? Totally. Um, it might be quite good for my road rage, dare I say. <laughs> <laughs> Tia, my love, thank you so much indeed. Thank you. Thank and, you so much. This has been and, fantastic. It, it's, and, and I will put um, your details um, in, the, in the show notes so people know that's how great. to get hold of you if they want Wonderful. to. But, um, that's so that. cool. And I really appreciate just helping parents to realize that it's not always necessary to parent from fear and um let's be curious and let's just yes. yeah just, just change the energy the and and not put ourselves under so much pressure that's right oh it feels so much better once you when you do when you do and then when you don't you have the contrast to remember how much better it does feel yes oh yes yeah thank you so much thank you Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. 
If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.